You're listening to the Irish Times Worldview Podcast. Welcome to Worldview, the Irish Times podcast bringing you perspectives on foreign affairs. I'm Patrick Smith. On our podcast this week... Finally, we tonight are on the stage together, Donald Trump and I. Uh, Donald... It's good to be with you. There's no escaping the eagerly awaited first Trump-Clinton debate, political theatre of the highest order, which attracted up to 100 million viewers on Monday night. I talked to our Washington correspondent, Simon Carswell, about how the debate went, its main themes, and who won. You can subscribe free to Irish Times podcasts on Stitcher and iTunes. Simon, there were no real surprises in the debate. Trump was very Trump, boastful, blustering, embroidering the truth. Clinton was very Clinton, analytical, detailed, refusing to be provoked and skillful in demolishing his record. But was there a winner? Um, Were there any killer blows? I I gather there are differences on social media on the issue. Yeah, I think there were killer blows. I mean, I agree with you. I think it's a bit facile to go at winners and losers. There were winning moments and losing moments, I guess, is probably the best way to look at the debate. And you mentioned there where there's surprise that there weren't any surprises. I guess the one surprise for me was that um, Trump uh, allowed himself to be Trump. Uh, I was expecting perhaps a more reserved, a, a more nuanced candidate, maybe someone who was going to provide a bit more detail around policy And really to steer clear of this kind of pantomime character that uh, played in the debates uh, in the Republican primary. But uh, any hope that Trump might have kind of remained on the leash, uh, that went quickly out the window uh, with some of the early attacks. And we really saw a reversion to uh, uh, insult spewing, uh, finger pointing uh, Donald Trump again, really the the reality TV star that we've come come to know. So uh, I think he performed particularly badly. Um, and I think there were some particularly poor moments for him. And I think she came across as presidential. Um, I think she came across as statesmanlike, as cool, calm and collected uh, against those attacks. And I think she had a very, very good debate. Now, Trump was probably his most effective in his attacks on Hillary's previous support for free trade agreements like the all-American NAFTA deal, now long in place, and the Trans-Pacific Partnership and TTIP with the EU that are currently under negotiation. It has been signed NAFTA, which was one of the worst things that ever happened to the manufacturing industry. You go to New England, you go to Ohio, Pennsylvania, you go anywhere you want, Secretary Clinton, and you will see devastation where manufacturing is down 30, 40, sometimes 50 percent. NAFTA is the worst trade deal maybe ever signed anywhere, but certainly ever signed in this country. And now you want to approve Trans-Pacific Partnership. You were totally in favor of it. Then you heard what I was saying, how bad it is. And you said, I can't win that debate. But you know that if you did win, you would approve that. And that will be almost as bad as NAFTA. Nothing will ever well, top NAFTA. That That is just not accurate. I uh, was against it once it was finally negotiated and the terms were laid out. I wrote about that in... You called it the gold I, I standard. About, well, I hope... You called I, it the gold standard of trade deals. You, you know said what? it's the finest deal you've ever seen. No. And then you heard what I said about it and all of a sudden you were against it. Simon, it remains a weakness, particularly in the Rust Belt deindustrialized areas for her, doesn't it? It does. And this is really this was Trump playing to his base and he has a very strong base. His support is strongest amongst those blue collar workers, those workers who don't have a college degree in places like Western Pennsylvania, Eastern Ohio, parts of Virginia, uh, parts of Western North Carolina. So he certainly told his supporters everything they wanted to hear last night. I thought those were his strongest moments hitting Clinton on 
her past support um, on on trade deals and also on her political record on that. And uh, again, I think a lot of his supporters will like the fact that he mentioned a number of places and saying if you go to those places, the manufacturing jobs are way down. And he's correct in that. Not not so correct in the fact that he's blaming it all on NAFTA, the free trade agreement that um, Hillary Clinton's husband, Bill, supported as president. Uh, the, the decline in American manufacturing predates that. But it certainly was a hit for Trump on Clinton. And she was quite uncomfortable. She was, and, and rightly so. She she has flip-flopped on the issue of trade. He, he was correct in saying that she had described the Trans-Pacific Partnership. This is the deal that um, President Obama wants to sign with uh, involving the US and 11 countries around the Pacific Rim. And she had described that as the gold standard in trade deals. And uh, she has now distanced herself from that, recognising that that's a very unpopular, uh, unpopular deal particularly with uh, with the supporters that Donald Trump is drawing the most support from. Now, Trump boasted that his biggest asset is his business competence and his skill, uh, which America badly needs. But he was quite defensive on his, his business debt levels. Clinton, however, effectively turned the boast against him by talking in detail about a not-so-glorious business record. For 40 years, everyone running for president has released their tax returns. You can go and see nearly, I think, 39, 40 years of our tax returns, but everyone has done it. We know the IRS has made clear there is no prohibition on releasing it when you're under audit. So you've got to ask yourself, why won't he release his tax returns? Maybe he's not as rich as he says he is. Second, maybe he's not as charitable as he claims to be. Third... We don't know all of his business dealings, but we have been told through investigative reporting that he owes about $650 million to Wall Street and foreign banks. Or maybe he doesn't want the American people, all of you watching tonight, to know that he's paid nothing in federal taxes, because the only years that anybody's ever seen were a couple of years when he had to turn them over to state authorities when he was trying to get a casino license, and they showed he didn't pay any federal income tax. So if he's paid... This was quite her most effective moment, probably, in the course of of the uh, debate. I think so, and it showed just how well prepared her attack on his tax returns, on his business record, on stiffing his suppliers and business deals. Particularly, she was at a very effective line where she pointed out that there was an architect in the audience who had designed one of his golf courses and she said he hadn't been paid in full. And it really exposed Trump because he he had to defend himself as Trump the businessman rather than Trump the politician. For example, he bragged about um, the fact that he didn't pay federal taxes for a period of time, saying that makes me smart. He uh, responded to her charge that he hoped the housing crash would come about uh, because he'd be able to invest. He said that's called business, by the way. And he admitted that he takes advantage of of the laws of the country um, to make money. And what I thought was interesting in particular was he left stand a charge that he didn't pay tax. And this is a problem for him where he hasn't released his tax return. So he's opened himself up to these charges he did try and deflect a little by saying, well, he'd release his tax returns against the advice of his lawyers if Hillary Clinton uh, released her deleted emails from her time when she was using personal email as uh, U.S. Secretary of State, which is a lingering controversy affecting her. Um, but Clinton kind of played that well. Again, she responded by saying this is um, 
this this is an example of 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 Trump's bait and switch and trying to trying to turn attention to something else and not deal with some of the uh, issues that are being he's been asked to address. She was also quite effective in her attacks on his racism and and sexism. She managed to talk about the uh, problems that the black community have with with uh, police violence in in a way that was not going to it seems to me alienate uh, the middle ground in in, in America. Um, but there's a there's a and she indeed she uh, she made a case for for some limited gun control which which uh, Trump actually supported. But do his supporters mind any of this? Well, it's funny when you travel around the country and you talk to Trump supporters, um, they talk a lot about you know, the fact that he he says what people are thinking or are afraid to say or certainly what politicians are afraid to say. And when you press them on this and say, well, what about the substance of some of the things he says, some of the things he says about women, some of the things he said about the candidates in the past, his personal insults. And they dismiss that. Well, you know, he's he's not a politician. He's not politically correct. So they forgive him for the specific comments, which is strange in a way. And then they like the fact that he can say these things. So it's, it's a strange uh, anomaly in, amongst his supporters as to why they support him. But he, it does appeal to his base. The problem for Trump was that he needed to move beyond that in this debate last night. He needs to win over the suburban Republicans that were very much in Mitt Romney's column four years ago. And those kind of remarks that he was making, those insults, um, that petty uh, name calling, that the insults he throws at Clinton, those don't play, they don't play well with those supporters that he needs to win over. He did have a moment when he boasted rather bizarrely that he could have said some very nasty things about Hillary but had restrained himself. It's an odd approach that is perhaps counterintuitive. It is, It is. yeah, but also I think that he's kind of playing the role of tant tantalising performer there as well. Like there's two more debates to come and he did say after the debate in the spin room, he told CNN that he was going to raise the issue of Bill Clinton's infidelities, which was clear, you could tell from what he was saying or certainly lining himself up to say in the debate last night, but held back was that that was something he was going to get to. And he said afterwards that he didn't say it because Chelsea Clinton was in the audience and he had a lot of respect for her. So I expect if the next debate goes as badly as the one went last night, we'll see Trump um, attack Clinton on some of those issues in, in the second debate. Clinton played a, a canny game. Uh, instead of accusing him of lying, she referred her sceptical audience to fact-checkers. Uh, is this an acknowledgement by her that she knows perfectly well that she's not believed either? I don't think it's as much that as I don't think she wants to get down in the weeds with Trump and start exchanging um, uh, remarks with him last night during the debate about what was right, what was wrong. I thought it was quite smart where she said, I'll leave it to the fact checkers or I hope the fact checkers are getting ready and the fact checkers are watching this. I thought that was a clever move by her. It was a, stopped her from getting into all that business uh, and raised serious suspicions around Trump. And also I think it... it, it it um it affected him as well because uh, some of his weaker moments was when he went way off message trying to defend some of the things he had said in the past, and I think in particular the most devastating moments for him in the debate were on the issues of racism and sexism. Uh, the question the question that was raised about why it took so long for him to acknowledge that President Obama was was born in the United States and also his past comments uh, on women, for example, he. Um, Clinton accused him of calling women pigs, slobs and dogs. And he defended that by saying, well, 
that was mostly about one woman and she deserved it, which, I mean, that's just an astonishing thing for a presidential candidate to say on the first debate stage. And I think it's something that's going to be played back to him again and again. And in in that uh, context, in the birtherism debate, he, he struggled in rather an incomprehensible way, I think, to most uh, viewers to, to blame Hillary Clinton for the whole issue once again. I just want to get the answer here. The birth certificate was produced in 2011. You continued to tell the story and question the president's legitimacy in 2012, 13, 14, 15, yeah. as recently as January. So the question is, what changed your well, mind? Well, nobody was pressing it. Nobody was caring much about it. I figured you'd ask the question tonight, of course. But nobody was caring much about it. Uh, but I was the one that got him to produce uh, the birth certificate. And I think I did a good job. Uh, Secretary Clinton also fought it. I mean, you know, now everybody in mainstream is going to say, oh, that's not true. Look, it's true. Sidney Blumenthal sent a reporter. Uh, you just have to take a look at CNN, the last week, the interview with your former campaign manager, and she was involved. But just like she can't bring back jobs, she can't produce. I I'm sorry, I'm just going to follow up, and I will let you respond to that, because if there's a lot there, but we're talking about racial healing in this segment. What do you say to Americans? Well, it was very, I say nothing. I say nothing because I was able to get him to produce it. He should have produced it a long time before. I say nothing. Yeah, that was a confusing one where he started referring to Sidney Blumenthal and, and Patty Doyle, the aides to Clinton, where he can blame them for starting this. And this goes back to uh, this lie that he peddled in, in, in a recent press conference where he, yes, he admitted that uh, Barack Obama was born in the United States, but then claimed that Hillary Clinton started it way back in 2008, which is incorrect, uh, and that he was finishing it. Um, it was a strange instance in the debate. He mentioned the fact that uh, claimed credit for, um, for forcing um, Obama to release his birth certificate by pushing, uh, by pushing this conspiracy theory that uh, President Obama was not born in the United States. But I, I think it, it just played so badly for him because it allowed Clinton to accuse him of pushing this racist lie and also to say that he has a long record of engaging in racist behavior. And he really didn't respond to that. He simply said that it's, it's a bit rich for Clinton to be, um, to be friendly with Barack Obama at this stage um, when they were so bitterly divided during the 2008 primary campaign. But he let a lot of those charges that Clinton threw at him stand. In including a charge that, that he had been prosecuted for uh, racist behaviour as a, as a landlord back in, in the 1970s. And yeah, he had, he had discriminated against tenants in some of their projects, uh, some, of their, some of their properties in New York in the 70s. Then finally, if there was, there was the great issue of temperament. This is the great undefinable must for all presidential candidates. Basically, the question is how presidential do either of them appear? Well, I have much better judgment than she does. There's no question about that. I also have a much better temperament than she has. You know, I have a much better. She spent, let me tell you, she spent hundreds of millions of dollars on an advertising, you know, they get Madison Avenue into a room, they put in, oh, temperament, let's go after. I think my strongest asset, maybe by far, is my temperament. How convincing were either of them on the temperament issue? Well, I think she was far more convincing than he was on the temperament issue. Um, it was interesting that he decided to turn a question where he was asked, well, what did you mean when you said on the campaign trail recently that, that, President, uh, that Hillary Clinton didn't have... Uh, a, a presidential look and he said well he, he he then referred to the fact that she didn't have the stamina and I think she had one of the best responses of the night well 
as soon as he travels to 112 countries and negotiates a peace deal, a ceasefire, a release of dissidents, an opening of new uh, opportunities in nations around the world, or even spends 11 hours testifying in front of uh, a congressional committee. He can talk to me about stamina. I think that was one of a, one of Clinton's strongest moments. But again, it was a well-prepared line. She clearly had rehearsed this. And in contrast to Trump, who hadn't re rehearsed any lines uh, in response to some of the obvious and uh, very clear things that were going to be coming at him in this debate. And a continuing refusal on his part to acknowledge that anything he's ever said in the past was perhaps even slightly wrong. Notably, for example, on the on the uh, issue of, of not telling the public about his strategy for de defeating ISIS, which she made quite a, a a lot of hay on. Yeah, and there was there was a there was a whole litany of false claims again by Trump in this. I mean, at one point he claimed that. Clinton had been fighting ISIS her entire life, which clearly isn't true. Um, he, he again tried to uh, argue that he had not supported the war in Iraq when he had said on the Howard Stern show in 2002 that he was supportive of it. Um, and also he denied that he had praised uh, Vladimir Putin, and he had. So these were all issues that really made him look very weak. Uh, I think the fact that at the end of the debate where he claimed in typical uh, boastful fashion that Trump likes that he had better judgment than Clinton does and that he's much better temperament than she has. The fact that the audience laughed so loudly shows that at the end of the debate, they clearly didn't believe him. There was also the proverbial dog that didn't bark. Curiously, the debate didn't touch on, on immigration or and the Mexican wall, uh, the, the wall that Mexico will pay for, uh, or the great running sore of uh, health care, Obamacare. These issues will presumably be fully aired in the next debate. Were you struck by other issues that weren't touched on it? And, and where, where does the campaign go from here? Well, those, those issues certainly jumped out at me. I thought it was strange that the issue of Benghazi, which uh, is um, something that Republicans like raising about Clinton, it, it, it goes to some of the question marks around her, uh, whether she's trustworthy. And a lot, most of the American people don't think she can be trusted, yet there are so, many of them are supporting her in this, in this election. Um, I think uh, the fact that he didn't touch on some of those issues goes down to the fact that he really lost control of this debate early on. He was put on the defensive. And I think um, I think Clinton set set the tone and, and set the tempo of this uh, this debate. And really, it showed her mastery of of being this very well prepared, skilled debater against this political novice. He, he may be a, a television personality, but really showed his weaknesses and vulnerabilities on this. Um, I think there's a lot in the debate that will be used by Clinton against Trump. It confirms a lot of what people suspected about Trump, that he doesn't have the temperament to be present, that he's not prepared. Um, and I think Clinton will make uh, take advantage of that in the coming days up until the second debate on October 9th. And I think he's got an awful lot to do to recover the ground he lost last night. Thank you very much, Simon. Thank you to Simon Carswell and to sound engineer Rob O'Sullivan and our producer Declan Conlon. You can find Worldview and other Irish Times podcasts in iTunes or at www.irishtimes.com forward slash podcasts.